Hello everyone. My name is Natalie Hansford and this is the Leader in Red podcast. Thank you guys so much for coming back for episode four. This has been really great and I've had a lot more views than I thought I would. I mean, I don't know why. I just thought I was going to have like maybe like two people listening in, but this is great that I'm in the hundreds. So it's really exciting. And if you want to share this to anyone, feel free. Be sure to subscribe and keep listening in. That way you can stay tuned with any notifications that pop up when I do introduce a new episode. Um, But yeah, this episode is going to be a little bit about what's the difference between expectations versus the reality of coming out of school, whether it's high school or post-secondary, and going into the career world. So when you actually obtain a job after coming out of school. I wanted to bring in this topic within my podcast And I know it's not leadership driven, but I wanted the leaders that are listening to understand the difference between the expectations and reality so that when they are bringing on team members, they're not so harsh during the onboarding process and so picky with finding from what I said the last uh, couple episodes, that perfect individual. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about my experience and then that way it can introduce a little bit about what my reality versus expectations were and that way it will show some real life examples. So when I was in high school, let's be honest, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I had an idea of what I was good or bad at, so some of my weaknesses or strengths. But in reality, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I did know that I had a strong opinion about a lot of things and that when I was doing like case studies or group assignments, I did a really good job. But as for what I actually wanted to do, I had no idea. So when you're trying to decide what school to go to or what program to take when you're in like grade 11 of high school, some people are like 15 years old. Can you really decide what you want to do for the rest of your life? Absolutely not. Most of the time, people don't even decide these things until their 20s, 30s, 40s, sometimes 50s that they actually want to do, and that is totally okay. And a lot of the time, society is trying to make you pick that thing that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, and it really just makes people get scared and pick something that they are passionate about at that very moment and kind of go with it, and then they end up being in debt for something that they actually find out that they don't want to end up doing. So in high school, I did like the business aspect about schooling and learning about stuff like marketing um, and accounting for some reason I enjoyed, which you'll never hear me say that now, but the things like that I did truly enjoy. I I liked the whole dynamic of understanding something, picking it apart, and then finding a solution. So that's all I really knew when I was in high school. Now, I was lucky enough to just say, do you know what? I don't want to waste money. I'm going to be doing like a general business and trying to figure out what I want to do within that aspect. So I ended up going down that school path of doing general business, which ended up finding me my solution as to what I did truly want to do. But a lot of my peers ended up going for things that they just were panicking or their parents pressured them. They went into school and now they have a lot of tens of thousands of dollars in debt and that's not a good feeling. 
So for me, I was lucky enough to go into that business. And within business, I did find out that I did want to take HR within business. So again, I was lucky enough to actually have that experience in that class within business to understand that that's truly what I enjoyed. Now, I really do think that um, it has changed over time that people have understood that they don't have to go to school right away. But when I was growing up, it was like, you have to go to school or you're stupid. Um, and there were certain situations that we were peer pressured to even take university rather than college because that was like the thing to do. And if you didn't go to university, they kind of would make you feel bad about yourself in a way. Um, but you know why? I, for me, it wasn't in budget at the time to go to university and college was the only way that I could go to school. So lucky enough, I did go to college and I enjoyed it much more than university um, just because I already know that university is more theory based. And I did take a class um, just to see how it was, but I didn't actually participate in a program. Um, so I want to go over when did I first understand how to make a resume or cover letter. And I find that in high school when you're learning things, the curriculum for some reason doesn't show you real life scenarios of like what your life is actually going to be. You're learning all these things that really don't matter, um, unfortunately, and the things that actually do matter, you don't really learn about. Um, in my high school, I was lucky enough to have a careers class, so I did kind of learn how to make a resume and cover letter. But with that being said, it was so biased because I'm learning, and I don't mean any offense if I can't even remember who my teacher was in this class, but it was a very biased class because it was how that teacher portrayed to write a resume or cover letter. And unfortunately, they were a little bit of the older generation, so they didn't really know how to make a resume or cover letter unfortunately. So I didn't really learn how to properly create one. Um, I actually learned this just freehand, testing it, making it, getting some people's advices, and showing my professors a resume or cover letter in order to get ready to submit it into the, the my right career path. And it's really crazy that you don't learn these things. And again, I guess I did learn it, but in my opinion, it didn't prepare me just because I didn't end up actually learning how to make one properly. Um, for some people, they don't even have a careers class. So coming out of high school, they don't know how to make a resume. Um, and it's really who you know, not what you know at this point in life. Um, so a lot of people end up just getting jobs because they know someone within that company or that field. So my first job, I was a server and a lot of people don't think that servers have many talents, but that's when you truly understand how to stay calm, composed, a straight face, don't let emotions get to you, and you really learn the true impact of customer service. When I was throughout my career within serving and bartending and doing all that stuff, I really did learn a lot of that. And when I did end up applying to my first position, that was more of like an office scenario. And in, in my opinion, my career, um, I had that confidence that I knew what to do because you learn so much within the food and uh, beverage industry that anything else that happens is basically a piece of cake. A lot of people always come up to me and say, how do you stay so composed and calm when you're in a X situation and I'm not calm, so how the hell are you calm? 
And I just say, do you know what? I've been screamed at. I've been, things have been thrown at me. Um, I've been harassed. I've probably dealt with a lot of things that a young teenager shouldn't have dealt with. But with that being said, it did teach me a lot within the customer service industry and it really prepared me for my career. So lucky enough, I did have that aspect. Um, and when I have kids, I'm going to try and get them to be in the customer service industry while they're growing up so that they can understand that because customer service is everywhere. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, you're gonna be touching some customer service or other words, customer experience. So what I do now versus what I started doing is drastically different. And I mean, I didn't start off serving, that wasn't my first job, but it was the same industry. I started off as a hostess and kind of worked my way up. So I do have that mentality of starting at a loader position and trying to work hard to get to where I was. Um, so I had that mentality throughout my whole life. So what I do now is um, I'm an HR manager and I work on the strategic aspect of the company. So a lot of the things that I do is trying to be creative and whatnot. And it's completely different than being a server or a hostess, but I do feel that that actually prepared me for that position. So nowadays when you're looking for a job, what are you looking for? You're looking for something that probably has monetary value, that is close to home, and it's something that you wanna do, not what, what, what you wanna do in the future, not what you wanna do now. A lot of people when they're searching for positions, they're looking for the best of the best. So it's so hard to compete as a company when you're posting out an ad or looking for someone to hire. The people that are in the workforce right now or coming into the workforce, unfortunately, the labor market is quite fucked at the moment, so they have the upper hand. The people that are applying for the positions right now have the upper hand, and as of right now, there's nothing we can do about it. We can compete. We can try and make sure our companies are stable, that we have things to offer, but as an aspect of you trying to find that perfect fit is going to be quite impossible, especially with them having the upper hand in the labor market right now. So how they look for a job is they go on social media, they'll apply, and everyone that has just come out of school has been taught to basically bombard the companies that you wanna be in. They will message you, they'll call you, they'll follow up, they'll do cover letters. They have all the resources to understand how to market themselves to you as a company, and they're quite intelligent about it. When they do actually get in the position to negotiate wage, again, they do have the upper hand. So just take that into consideration. So when you are posting an ad, make sure that you're at least competing with the industries around your area. So you end up actually hiring someone within your, your fit of what you're looking for. The society right now has an expectation of money being the answer to everything. And a lot of the times when I'm doing like group seminars or I'm talking to supervisors about how they think they should motivate their staff, they always say, well, if I give them more money, they're going to work harder. And a lot of the times that's just what society thinks. Money is the answer to everything. But the work the people coming into the workforce and the generation coming into the workforce right now don't necessarily think that money is the answer to everything, although it is about 50-50. They don't want monetary value over anything else. And if I ask myself, and I am that generation that is coming into the workforce, is 
it's about 50 50 for myself and that's why i say that a lot of people are different though so you have to understand what they want i personally prefer passion over money but with that being said obviously everyone wants to get paid fair but again the people coming into the workforce right now want to have that passion with what they're doing they want to enjoy coming to work and they want to feel comfortable at work most likely if you are a manager that has people that are coming into the workforce that are in that younger generation you're probably understanding exactly what i mean by they always want something it doesn't matter whether it's money or passion or a project or to feel included in something they want to be involved so just keep that in mind when you are recruiting someone that if you're not able to give that person what they want um, or at least meet them in a way that you're going to compromise, then maybe that person isn't for you when you are onboarding them onto your team. So I was thinking the other day and I was like, if I could go back in time and tell my 16-year-old self something or a form of advice to help myself within coming into the workforce, it would be chill out it's going to happen with time and stay away from corporations. I mean, I never actually went for a corporation. I've always kind of had that mindset, so I maybe wouldn't have to tell myself that, but it would be don't make social media make you think how your career is going to end up or don't look at other people and compare yourself to what you want to become. A lot of my friends are working downtown in the high towers and working in these corporations and I never see them for that probably that reason is because they're always working but corporations just put a sour taste in my mouth for some reason I feel like there's just so many staff members that you're just a number so if I were to tell myself something a form of advice it would be you create your own path and there's no company that's going to create a path for you if you can find somewhere that can give you passion and make you happy then run with it and if there's going to be someone that can hear your voice then go with that um, and again passion for me is very important so I want to talk a little bit about the reality um, and then what I think the expectations are right now when you come out of school. So I have actually experienced both sides and maybe that's why I understand it a little bit more. But a lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, these people are coming out of school and they're asking for so much money. It's absolutely ridiculous or have no years of experience and they want to get paid like 70 or 80K, whatever the chance may be. And it's so true because I've actually experienced actually recruiting people having zero experience and asking for these crazy wages. And it's really unfortunate, but I was actually in school. I was in class. I'm listening to what these professors are teaching these students and they're telling them to ask for or get whatever they want. They, they're literally telling people, know what your value is and fight for it. And that's what you're gonna end up getting. And they're telling these kids this. So when they're coming into the workforce, they're like, I want $70,000. And if the company says, you don't have any experience, this is an entry level position, this position doesn't even pay that kind of salary. They'd be like, okay, we'll see ya. I'm going to go to the next one. And then they'll continue to do that. 
And it's really crazy because that's what's messing up the labor market right now. That's why it is an employee labor market and not an employer labor market. And also the expectation versus reality of it is that when even if you do find that person and you do get them for a fair wage and they are working, most likely the second that they get that raise, they're going to be like or, or an offer that's higher than what you're giving them. There's a really high chance if your culture isn't a good fit for them that they will be like, see you later. I just got a dollar raise somewhere else. So I'm going to go there. And that's a really big problem right now, especially in the skilled trades, that people are just leaving for a dollar or a dime. Um, so again, it's really important as an employer to make sure that you do have competitive wages when you are recruiting for someone. And again, just because of the labor market and it really does suck, but being able to recruit them for a fair wage rather than just getting them for a cheaper wage is really important but i do kind of blame it on the um the schooling and the education that they are understanding about compensation and whatnot it's all over the news it's all over the radio it's all over the tv and unfortunately in all of our schools so the other opposite end of that is that when people are coming out of school they are applying for positions and the positions and the employers are asking for x years of experience so they want to pay you an entry-level job but you have to have two to three years of experience so you're going to be getting paid for what is deemed fair but the experience is not just because they're looking for someone who just came out of school but then also has experience if the kids have not gone to a co-op or have like some type of college experience while being in school, it's quite unachievable. Um, it's quite unrealistic and a lot of companies are getting bit in the ass for it because they're not ending up hiring anyone that has these crazy limitations to what they actually need to have in order to be hired. So it's really actually challenging for people coming into the workforce to try and find something when they require all these um, requirements for the job. So my advice with this one is to only pick what you need from a candidate. Um, if you have certain requirements there for the job, put what is needed, not what is nice to have. So a lot of people actually um, have to relook and remake their job ads to make sure that it's actually fit when they realize that over three or whatever many months that they're looking for this position that they can't find what they're looking for and it's most likely because your requirements are unrealistic so there's been a new trend going on and the trend is working from home so i have a couple different opinions about this whole working from home scenario and there's some positives to it but there's also some negatives and they're to both sides of the spectrum employer and employee so let's talk a little bit about being that employee that gets to work from home. There's a couple things that is, again, positive and negative about the situation. Um, but for the employee, of course, it's convenient and they're able to work at home whenever they want. 
The opposite side is it only works for individuals that are able to get self-motivated and are able to separate them being at home and then actually starting work. Because a lot of times when people are at home, they don't know that separation and it's quite challenging for them to get in that zone and complete what they need to do. But with that being said, on the opposite hand, a lot of people strive with being at home because they're able to stay focused and they don't have any other people around them that are potentially distracting them. So it can work on both sides of uh, that spectrum for the employee. Um, and then on the opposite side, on the employer standpoint, there's positive and neg negatives to that as well. The workforce right now is it's just everyone's talking about it. Everyone's t saying their own opinions about working from home. I love it. I require it. I hate it. I don't want to do it. And I really do just think it's a personal preference for me and my team. If they want to work from home um, and they're the people that are on my team, I trust all of them. So I'm like, OK, work from home. Go for it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still want them to complete what they need to do. And for me, it works for me and my team because I do trust them and I know that they're getting their work done. But for some uh, companies, it might not work. And that's just the reality of it. And it totally depends on who's on your team and um, who you're discussing about this with and if they're even able to do it at home. Unfortunately, some positions you really can't work from home. So with that being said, it's not even on the table for being able to work home and accommodate them with that. Um, but I do think that there is positives and negatives to it. And being able to have that trust with them is something that you need before you allow them to work from home. I also think working from home is something that should be given after being deserved. And I do always say that I trust my teammates before rather than making them earn their trust. I will trust someone the second that I hire them. But if they do something to lose my trust, that's when I don't trust them anymore. But I won't make them earn my trust because I just don't think that's fair and realistic. And I have gotten burnt a couple times because of it. But that's just kind of how I've been working and how I've been working out. Um, but if unfortunately they got to that point where I don't trust them, I really don't like when um, uh, I have them working at home because it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But with that being said, um, if you don't trust your teammates, that's a different story. And I'm confident to say that I trust all my teammates. So there's a couple different management styles that this actually coincides with. And there's a couple different management trends that are happening right now. And a lot of people are talking about it specifically because the Raptors had that massive parade downtown Toronto. And now a lot of people are talking about how the flexible work schedule is something that is very new and people should start doing it. Um, if you are not from Toronto or Canada and you don't follow the NBA or the Raptors, basically what happened was a couple weeks ago, they won the NBA championships for the first time in history. And there was a parade being celebrated on the following Monday of the next week. And basically everyone and their mother and child can went to this parade there are estimated to be around um three to four million people downtown toronto which is absolutely insane and a lot of companies actually let their employees go to this parade of course it's a once in a lifetime history event is the first time that they won the nba championships and because a lot of companies let them take this time off they ended up 
understanding how important it was to their staff. And a lot of people are now talking about flexible work schedules and letting them work when they need to work um, rather than when the company thinks they have to work. A lot of people are night owls. A lot of people work best in the morning. So being able to be flexible with your staff members is something that is very new. I mean, I always believe that um, People are going to get their job done when they need to get it done. And if they have a project, I always expect it to get done. But at the end of the day, if it's a Friday and they're just sitting around, it's like two o'clock, they're done everything. Why sit and wait an extra two, three hours and pretend you're doing something when you can just go home and then um, start fresh the next week? Or maybe there's a project that they already completed and they feel really great about why not just not waste either your times and let them just go home and relax but with that being said there's the opposite end why um, flexible work schedules is getting things done in the appropriate time frame so if there's something that you didn't finish on friday but needs to be done by monday get it done before monday um, so a lot of people are talking about it and i think it is going to be a little bit of a new trend and i hope it stays because i really do think that Personal motivation shouldn't be specifically achieved in a certain time frame, um, especially when there's like those nine to five moments when you have to get something done, but you might be more creative at night. Why not let them do that? If, of course, if you're able to in your industry or your position or whatever the case may be. Sometimes Fridays are quite hard for me, so I'll just pick up where I left off on like a Saturday or Sunday when I feel a little bit more motivated because I don't feel like I have to go somewhere or do something. So um, on the weekends, I actually work best. So again, just making sure it works with your, your team's lifestyle, but also works with your industry, with what you're doing, and you're able to achieve um, what you need every quarter or every week or whatever the case may be. The new management style is basically everything opposite to being micromanaged. Everyone coming into the workforce right now, when I'm interviewing these individuals, they're like, I don't like to be micromanaged. And I'm pretty sure I've heard that out of every single candidate's mouth. And the reason for it is because a couple of years back and maybe 10, 15 years, almost everyone was micromanaged. That's just the way the management trend was. Everyone was doing it. That's the way to make sure people got stuff done. But as of right now, a lot of people have been more trustworthy and they're starting to do a more flexible uh, management style and more coaching methods rather than being micromanaged. So if you were that micromanager, chill out, take a seat, take a cup of coffee, have a tea, namaste, and just chill because the people coming into workforce will most likely quit if you're going to treat them that way. We are not in the 1900s. We are not um, salespeople that are on Wolf of Wall Street. We're just trying to live our life, be happy, and feel comfortable at work. So micromanagers go away. <laughs> um, so a lot of things that I do understand when people are taking positions is commuting. This is a really big topic because a lot of the time people will say that they actually not even say they're doing, they're commuting to work. People are just commuting anywhere. It doesn't matter whether you live in Toronto or you, you live north of Toronto or however far you are away from your work, um, 80 kilometers, 10 kilometers away. But a lot of people to find the right job, they're willing to commute. 10 years ago, 
Again, people would say, no, everyone wants it beside their house and they're not willing to commute and don't hire these people because they don't want to work here. But as of right now, almost everyone has to commute to their job. Especially if you live in the busy city of Toronto, it doesn't matter whether you are supposedly live 10 minutes away from your office, it most likely is gonna take you 30 to 40 minutes just because of traffic. And it's the same length of time that it would take someone that lives a little bit more north to get to Toronto. So a lot of people have to take that into consideration that people are willing to commute. And doesn't matter where they live or what they're doing or where they want to live. Um, everyone is willing to commute. So let's get that little negative impact out of people's heads. So I think this falls along with a little bit of work culture and the ideal work culture. A lot of people have different opinions about this and it totally just depends, to be honest, the industry that you're in, the management team that you have, what you're trying to achieve, um, what your company goals or missions are. But at the end of the day, a lot of people are comparing themselves to like a Google atmosphere. And I'm sure you've heard this a lot within your careers, but Google atmosphere can be good and it can be bad. It's the new trend, it's the thing to follow, it's what you have to achieve to be a great company. And here's my thoughts on Google Atmospheres. Google Atmosphere is named that for a reason, and it's because you work and you never leave. You don't have to leave, everything is there. So they wanna have everything at that location so that their staff never has to stop working or never leave the work site. So there's a gym, there's restaurants, there's beds to sleep in, there's all that good stuff. So it's basically you living your life on this um, work site so that you never have to stop working. You don't have to take as many breaks. You feel like you have to continue working. So it's obviously that's one very massive extreme when it comes to Google Atmosphere. But some people incorporate it in different ways and add little values of Google Atmosphere within their company. So they'll do more um, work areas where it's more a, com a community work area or they'll have no offices. So it's a very open concept. They will incorporate a lot of different group outings and just making sure everyone feels comfortable in the workplace. And that's a little bit about what the ideal work culture is right now is being able to incorporate a little bit of that but not all of it and making sure that there is a balance and a work-life balance so for me my ideal work culture is being able to understand when people come to work they're ready to work and they're willing to work learn give it their all incorporate their ideas but then when they go home have a life enjoy yourselves have hobbies. Um, if you're able to let me know what your professional career goals, um, so professional career goals as well as personal goals, and I'm able to help you achieve those. And again, just overall work-life balance to me is my ideal culture only because I wanna make sure that they're coming to work happy and then they're leaving happy as well and they're able to relax and go home and enjoy themselves, especially if you do have a stressful job.
Okay, guys. Well, it is the time for questions. I did receive one question that I would like to try and answer. So the question was, how do you change a negative culture or work environment that has been the same way for years? I'm not saying that this can't be done, but I am also going to say that it's one of the hardest things to do. But with that being said, whenever you want to change a negative culture or work environment, everything stems from the top down. So if you are an employee and this is why you wrote this question in, or maybe you're an employer and perfect, I can answer the question for you because you actually have the full control. The employer or the owner or the CEO or whatever the case may be, the leader of the company has to make that decision. They have to be able to actually impact and create that positive work environment or that work culture because it does all stem from the top. If the leadership is not willing to want to have this positive work culture or they don't believe in it, it's never going to fully happen and it's never going to actually change. So my answer to that question would to be from the top down, that's how you're going to change or truly change a work environment. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening in to my episode four. It has been a blast. Make sure to subscribe uh, to the SoundCloud or the iTunes Connects, depending on what you're listening from. I'm going to try and get it on Spotify as soon as I can. Uh, trust me, I am trying. But thank you guys for all your feedback that you've had so far. And I can't wait for the next one. Bye.